Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. We're going to talk about being protected by peace. Uh, Tonight I got a little guard dog on the screen there. But protected by peace. You know, this week uh, it's kind of been a crazy uh, week in my life and our family, even this month. Uh, it's the holidays for uh, many of us, but uh, just this week alone, we've had two sick kids at different weeks. My wife's been gone two days, and I've been kind of a single dad for several days in the house. And we've had, you know, just like many people in the world, we've got two working spouses. And, and it's been a challenge to have peace in the home. There's been some more arguing than normal, more stress than normal. And how many people know that you can be stressed at work or you could have a bad day at work and that bad day don't just stay at work. It often comes home with you and that that non-peace of the work environment becomes a non-peace of the home environment. Or maybe it's uh, stressful things like you're going through uh, financial issues. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills tomorrow. So there's that fear of fear tomorrow or the anxiety that we could have that going through life. Maybe it's a job. You don't know if your boss is going to fire you. There's been layoffs or you have, we've all been there and gone through things like that. So we know what it's like to, to walk through the adulthood life, even teenagers, not wanting to, as a teenager, I rarely ever wanted to go to school. I didn't, uh, you know, there, whether it be bullies or just taking a test or, having to go to PE, which I hated because I was more scrawny then than I am now. And so climbing that rope to the top of the uh, gymnasium just wasn't going to happen on that day. And you knew that you would be made fun of by trying, okay? And so there's, there's different stresses, anxieties, there's worries. When people, our family, they know how to push our buttons. And the Bible says that whatever is on the inside of you tends to come out of you. And often we speak about these complaints of, work or stress or anxiety. We speak about these fears, and it reveals to us really how much peace we really have to begin with, how peaceful, how walking through peace, uh, how am I walking through peace in my life? And so uh, what is peace? Uh, The Bible uses peace in different ways. In one sense, it's the tranquility that comes from the absence of conflict. So it's tranquility that comes from the absence of trials or tribulations or testing. So there's nothing going on in my life. I'm pretty peaceful. Sit on a beach and everything's good. But peace is also the tranquility that comes despite trials and conflict and tribulation. It's both ways in Scripture. And it's also peace is defined as the relationship between two parties, that I'm at at peace with my brother or peace with my sister. And you can also be at peace with God, meaning that you're in right standing and right relationship with God, that there's no animosity or enmity, hostility between you and God. So peace has a lot of meaning. So we're really tonight going to talk about that, that inward peace that is transcending all uh, things that I could go through in my life, all tribulation, all trial, that even if I go through a stressful situation or unknown circumstance, even if I come against danger, that what will flow out from within me will not be that fear or that faithlessness, but in those frantic times, even when my buttons are pushed uh, and the bills are due, I'm not going to fret and fear tomorrow. Amen? Amen. We're going to talk about that kind of peace. So turn with me to Philippians 4 4. Paul is writing from prison. He's writing from prison, and he's encouraging his, one of his churches 
who is facing some division and facing some trials themselves. And in Philippians 4, let's just read this together, and we're just literally going to talk about these, these verses tonight and kind of break them out. But he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Some of y'all will learn all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And he goes on. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The thing that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I highlighted some of those words in in that scripture just for me, but we're talking tonight about the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How do we get to that place? How does the peace of mind guard uh, peace of God guard my heart and my mind? He says, if you do all these things, the God of peace will be with you, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. So, okay, let's going to dig into this. What are these things? What are these things? Here's this guy who's in prison who should need encouragement, and he's the one encouraging others. You ever met anybody like that? They're the ones that are down and out, and you're like, why are you helping? Why are you being so encouraging to me? I should be encouraging to you. That's Paul, because there's something there that he could rejoice and have peace over. And so we're going to dig into that. How is it that we can be like Paul and joyful, and how is it that we can have peace in circumstances? So we're going to talk about guarding that heart. And here's the simple, quick answer is this. I'm going to give you four words you want to write them down about these verses, four words that will break out what Paul is saying. And it's simply this. If you will ponder, if you will pray, if you will praise, and if you will practice, if you will ponder, pray, praise, and practice the Word of God, you'll be protected by peace. That's just a simple way to remember it. Those words are not special in themselves, but we're going to break it out. If you'll ponder is the first one. What are we pondering throughout the week? He says, if you would just dwell on these things, if you would just think on these things. You know, when we forget the Word of God and we don't think of it all the time, we easily slip into sin. And when you slip into sin, your mind gets numb or dull to the things of God. I'm not easily quickened anymore. And in in a sense, uh, that that peace with God begins to leave me. And and, uh, ultimately, if I keep going down that road and I keep not thinking, I'm thinking more about my wife co-workers, and I hear their language all day, and then you're hearing that, and that's in your mind. Or you're, you're going to your house, and maybe your house isn't really in the Lord like it should be, and then there's things there, and those thoughts begin into your mind. And maybe it's the bills, and the bills are bigger in your mind than the things of God. Or maybe it's the music you're listening to, and that music is more in your mind than the things of God. Or maybe it's the news and the TV, and all the new things that are going on in the world, the Republicans versus the Democrats, all that is in your mind. And it's so much cluttering, and it's like daggers there. And you begin to get numb to the things and the reality of God. And so when our minds get on ourselves, when our minds get on ourselves, we get selfish and prideful. 
when the minds get on other people, uh, we can get fearful, we can get jealous. Uh, when we don't ponder the path of life, Proverbs 5, 6 says that we get unstable. But when your mind is on Jesus, you get perspective. Amen. When your mind is on Jesus, you get perspective. So Paul says, ponder these things. I want you to have the right thinking. So he says, ponder peaceful things, good things, lovely, praiseworthy things. That's like thinking about Jesus. He's coming back again. That's like thinking about who he really is and what he's done and what he's promised to do. So the more I feel less peace in my life, the more things are less peaceful, I have got to train myself to ponder and meditate on the Word of God. It's the dwelling. He says, I want you to dwell. Stay stationary. Just like you're swimming laps in the pool, but you're not going anywhere. Tread water on these things. And think about the majesty of who Christ is. I mean, how many hours or minutes even of our week do we spend just thinking about Jesus? You know, when I was dating my wife early on, you know, you're in love, you know, uh, back then. And, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, I thought about her probably a lot more than I thought about school or anything else. And she's the first person I want to talk to when I got to class. And you want to meet her at the locker, you know, and she was way taller than me, you know. And, and you know, just thinking about who she is and how we're going to be together and all this kind of stuff and hold her hand. You dwell on those things because you, you're infatuated. You're, you're longing for that person. But, and I think about Jesus, how many times throughout my week am I actually thinking on Him? Not thinking about church, not thinking about my to-do list, not thinking about my Bible reading, which that's good, we're going to do that, but just pondering Him because what I've seen in the Word. Oh man, what is it going to be like to talk to Jesus? What's it going to be like when I see Him face to face? What's heaven going to be like? And what's it going to be like when I get raptured? Have you ever thought about that? Or what's it, what's it, what does He promise to do when we're, when we're ruling and reigning with the angels? What's it going to be like to walk the streets of gold? Just begin to ponder what He's done for me in the past. Remember the times He healed me, He saved me, He's filled me with the Holy Spirit. We sing that song, when I think about the Lord, it makes me want to shout. Because you begin to ponder, oh my gosh, this guy's good. And it gets you not thinking about all the other things. So Paul says, I want you to dwell on it. Dwell on this. You're dwelling on all this other stuff. Dwell on Jesus. Second Corinthians 10, 5, Paul told him, he says, you got the ability to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. He's the word. That means you have the ability in your mind to choose to take every thought that would come into your mind captive to the obedience of of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, that if a thought comes in my life, I, in my mind, I got this check. There's these gates. There should be this guard. There should be this entryway. It says, wait a minute, wait, wait. you didn't pass the TSA to come into my mind. Thought, I rebuke you. You can't come in there. That's a faithless thought. That's a wicked thought. That's a selfish thought. Uh, that's, that's an evil thought. Nope, I'm not going to entertain you. You tried to come in, but... I'm keeping the Word of God is so much into my mind that it guards and keeps out the other things. Does that make sense? Okay, so ponder is number one. So when I'm fearful, I'm not going to repeat those fears over and over. When I'm offended, I'm not going to repeat the offense over and over and over. Miss Evelyn talks a lot about what you speak. What you speak was what you're thinking. You can't think and speak something different. So I can speak about the offense, I can speak about my fear, but what about speaking the Word of God over and over, meditating on Him, pondering Him? So number one is ponder. Number two is pray. Pray. 
He says, next is pray. Pray about what? Everything. Pray about everything. Talk to God. I don't just come to Pastor Christian and just have a list of what I'm going to talk to him about today and think about, well, Pastor Christian, I want to talk about this. I mean, sometimes we got things to do. Yeah, I'll do that. But, you know, you just have a friend. You're not going to have a script. You know, I'm not going to take John Smith out to lunch and, and have this, dear John Smith, he's sitting across from me at the Mexican restaurant. Dear John Smith, this is how my week has been. How is yours? I'm not just going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk. I'm going to just be with him. I wanna, you want to talk to God, just talk to him like a person, right? Talk to him about everything in your life. God, this has been a crazy week. I don't know why you made me marry this person or whatever, you know. I <laughs> Just talk to him about everything, you know. God, man, the flowers are wonderful. Thank you for this car, God. You know, uh, having done many missions trips and not having cold or warm water or not having warm water or clean water, a lot of times when I'm getting ready to get in the shower, I'm thinking, God, thank you for running water. Thank you for heating and cooling. Thank you, Lord, for this truck that I've been blessed with. Just throughout the day, taking the trash out, just thanking God, just talking to him. As you're mowing the yard, talking to God. As you're going to the grocery store, talking to God. That he's just praying about everything. It's a relationship. So he says, pray about everything. Jesus said that uh, God knows all your needs, but yet you have because you don't ask. He knows it, but you got to ask. And then Paul says, tell God what you need. He says, bring your needs, your burdens to the Lord. Bring them to the Lord. But he doesn't just leave it there. He says prayer and my Bible says supplication. What is that? Supplication. Now, Jesus, he rebuked these meaningless repetitions of man. He says, don't go out there like the heathens in Babylon and just repeat your prayers over and over like a script. He says, but I do want you to ask, seek and knock. That is, I want you to pray with faith, believing your father's good. He loves to give good gifts and that you have to have faith to receive some things that there is some there is some earnestness. And that's what supplication is. It's an earnestness of prayer. So you have prayer. That's God. I'm, here's my day to day. I'm just talking to you. And then there's supplication. And that's when you go and you get on your face before God and say, God, you've got to move in this situation in my life. Lord, I'm not leaving this spot. Till I hear from you. And it's an earnestness. Uh, one author says this. It's not from carnal energy. It's not from your flesh or your physical ability. But he says it's from spiritual intensity. So Paul says you want peace? Pray all the time. But then sometimes you need to get on your face before God and say, God, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of this attitude. I'm tired. Of... And he's not saying you're praying about other people to be fixed. He's talking about here. In my heart, in my mind, God, I want you to redo some things in here. I think God should be like uh, the house guest that could come over and rearrange your furniture. I'd be pretty offended if any of you came to my house and said, you know, Heath, I really think your couch should be on that wall and your Christmas tree's in the wrong spot and, you know, a kitchen dining room table needs to be flipped around. I would probably call the cops if someone came into my house and did that. But, but with God, I want God to come in and just rearrange the furniture. He knows best how my life should be lived. And by supplication, I'm going to get on my face and just cry out to God and say, God, I know you have something better for me than this. So what is it going to do? I'm going to stop complaining and gossiping. I'm going to get to that place of, of saying, God, I'm seeking you. And, and I'm not going to just try to avoid life and avoid this fear, this anxiety, this anger issue or this animosity thing or this problem in my life and turn on the TV and dull my mind away, I'm going to get off my butt and I'm going to go pray. And that's just as plain as I can say it. Because sometimes I don't want to pray. Can I be honest? 
Sometimes when I know I didn't do good or I didn't say the right thing or I didn't do the right thing, that's the hardest time to pray, but that's the most important time to pray. Anytime I don't feel like praying is the exact moment I should pray. And so those moments where you're just like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I shouldn't have popped that off or I, I, I should have held my tongue when that person pushed all my buttons or whatever. Then you need to go get in your prayer closet or your room or wherever. God, I want to get on my knees, confess my sins and meet with you. God, I don't have the peace of God guarding my heart and mind. This, I mean, if you've had families, you know, our family has dealt with drugs uh, not my mom and dad personally, but we have extended family that we have always been involved with, and it's run in my family, alcoholism, drugs, and, and all that has been a thing uh, on both sides. And if you've dealt with addicts, sometimes you, you just don't even know how it can affect the peace of your home, not even that of your peace of extended family. And sometimes it's just all you can do to say, God, help me not to kill this person, right? Or God, help me to, to love them in a way in a godly way that you, you don't even know what to do because it's so affected your mind you can't even function. And, and that's where God is like, you've got to come to me. You know, even the shortest prayers can be earnest. Elijah just prayed a short prayer and called fire down from heaven. It's based in love. It's based in faith. And um, John tells us, or Jesus tells us in John 16, he says, hey, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete, but until now you've not ever asked for anything in my name. But guess what? Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Through earnest prayer, there will be joy. The greatest thing anybody ever challenged me to do in my life is develop a prayer life. A habitual every day, praying 30 minutes to an hour a day, changed my world, rocked my world completely, changed my character. Because when you go into prayer, you're going to come out different. Otherwise, you're probably not praying right. So ponder in prayer. And he says he's not going to forget praise. He says, okay, so after you pondered and thought about Jesus, get on your face, pray. And then guess what? Praise. So there's prayer, there's supplication. Then there's this praise. This, he says it's thanksgiving. So I've put my mind on God. He's my source. And then I come with thanksgiving. You know, Jesus modeled this in the Lord's Prayer. He started off with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, how awesome is your name. And then he comes and ends. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, uh, he, or he ends it, you know, the, uh, yeah, yours is the glory, the kingdom, the power forever. He ends it with worship and begins it with worship. It's thanksgiving that our prayers should begin and should end with an awareness of the glory and the awesome of God. So when we get to this place, you're praying, and it's, he's reminding you, don't forget while you're asking for God's help who he really is. As you're asking, you come with thanksgiving. Then I remember, man, God is awesome. Man, God has done good things. God has answered my prayers before. God has been with me through those problems. So I come, and what I'm coming with is faith. I'm coming with faith to him while I'm asking. So I'm not asking with this doubting mind of, I don't know if, God, you can do this, or, God, I don't know if you're good, or, God, I don't know why you don't. But it's coming with a whole different attitude that I am a child of God, and God has been good to me, and he's going to continue to be good to me. Like the song we just sang, he can do it again. And that's faith. It's thanksgiving. He says, your joy is going to be made complete uh, through this praise and this prayer. And watch joy. Joy is... In this praise moment, joy is not circumstantial. 
Happiness, your happiness, you can go up and you can go down. Things can go, you can get a happy meal, you might feel happy. Probably not later, you know. But you can feel happy. Things are good, you know. I'm not, if, if you put a hammer to my hand and you smash my hand in the door or whatever, I may not feel happy. That would be sadness, right? Uh, but joy, biblically, is this. Joy is based on the person of God. It is based on the character and the glory of God. So joy is not circumstantial. Joy is based on God. And God never changes. So that's why you and I can have joy new every morning. That's why joy doesn't go up and down. The Bible says that he has a steadfast, that he's going to keep uh, those who trust in him steadfast at peace. They're going to be secured in joy. That even David prayed, Lord, give me the steadfast spirit and restore to me the joy of your salvation. That he knew that joy was this rock-solid anchor on God. You know, some people can go to a football game and get really, really excited. And other people like myself will be there going, Yay, team. you right? Because that's just the kind of person I am. I'm not one of those guys that's going to take my shirt off and paint some letter on my chest and run around the field. But some people are crazy like that. But, but that's not who I am. But there's not, that, that's, that's the outward measure of maybe happiness. But joy is, is getting me up in the morning saying, I trust God today no matter come what may. That every day is a good day in Jesus, that God is still on the throne. He is the source of my peace, my life, my hope, my security is in the Lord. That's joy. It's not this outward emotion of smiling, because I can have joy and be sad. Did you know that? I can be sad and still have the joy of the Lord as my strength. That's joy. It's based not in me, but joy is based in who He is. And if we remember who He is, I can come with thanksgiving and joy. And Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, this is what's been pressing me on, guys. I'm, I'm pondering who Christ is. I'm praying with thanksgiving. And this joy is this, that I'm running this race because of sur- the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. It's this overwhelming sense of who He is I can be shipwrecked, I can be snake-bitten, I can count it all as rubbish just for the sake of knowing Him. That's joy. That's joy. And so Psalm says, Come before the Lord with singing, shout joyfully the rock of our salvation. Come with thanksgiving in His presence, shout joyfully to Him with psalms. So I've got pondering God, praying with earnest petition, then I've got praise and thanksgiving, and lastly is this, is practice practice. All these things are great. I can pray. I can go to church. I can read my Bible, think about Jesus. I can even ask for things in prayer. But if I never put them into practice and live out what God has told me to live out, James says we can be a hearer, but you got to be a doer of the word. It's, it's the putting into practice godly living. And it's no good to ponder and pray if we won't practice right living. So Paul says this, guess what you got to do? Let your gentleness be known to all. That's kind of hard to do when all your buttons been pushed and there ain't no peace swirling around you saying, oh, it's all going to be okay. When everything has been going wrong in your life and there's fear and anxiety for tomorrow and everybody is 
just you just go everywhere you go and you just feel angry like you want to punch a punching bag uh, or just scream and walk out of the house and and just go be alone for a few hours. Sometimes you just get that way and you don't even know what to do with yourself and you just want to just be alone and just put me in front of the TV and nobody talk to me. I know none of you have ever felt that way in your entire life, but this preacher has. Okay, and so uh, he says you've got to actually let this thing happen in you. You've got to let your gentleness be known to all. Let me tell you something. That's almost impossible for Heath Harris to do. So I got to have the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is the spirit that gives me this thing of a fruit of the spirit called self-control. There's another fruit of the spirit called kindness. There's another fruit of the spirit called long-suffering, which means enduring hard things. There's the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace. And all of that comes by allowing the Holy Spirit to put into practice who he is and take out who Heath Harris really is. And he begins to change my nature and and I begin to get in line with his way of living and his way of thinking. And I begin to put into practice the truth of God. And so all that learning and pondering and praising is all good. But if I don't say, Holy Spirit, help me to be gentle in times where I don't feel like being gentle. Here's Paul in prison. Rejoice, be gentle. Dude, you're in prison, right? You have a, a reason to complain about these Romans and their laws and how they were wrong and what you should have done and how they could have done. You got all the reasons in the world. To, I mean, if you would know about the prisons back then, I mean, they didn't have, I've told this before, but they didn't have sewage systems in every prison. The guys before you, their hole was the toilet and they would go through your cell, then into the next cell below you. And I mean, that fl- people died just because of the disease of being in prison. Not to mention, you didn't get food. There was no prison health care system or HBO in prison. It was if you didn't have people send you food and clothes, you didn't get no food and clothes, you're probably going to die. And this guy is saying, rejoice, be gentle. Ha ha ha. And you're thinking, what is wrong with this guy? He's psychotic, right? But he's saying, no, 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 no. It's this peace that surpasses all understanding. And the literal word there is it passes or surpasses all of your mind. It goes beyond your mind and into the mind of God and it comes down to you and it puts a guard around your heart and your mind and everything can be checked according to the peace of God, which reminds you, Jesus is on the throne. I have an eternity in heaven. Who cares if my yard doesn't get mowed three inches or somebody butchered my garden or, or if somebody uh, get maybe a flat tire or my boss is being mean or my spouse is being antagonizing or my kids are being uh, rude and rebellious. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, there is an eternity coming where I am going to be with Jesus and he is the most valuable prized possession and I've won him. I'm secure in him. I'm blood-bought, spirit-filled. Nothing can keep me in the grave when he calls my name. That there is this surpassing value that says, God, it's all yours. You're in control. And Holy Spirit, I'm going to take a step back from my life and say, Lord, I'm going to breathe in you. Right now, there's people going like this all around my head and just wah, 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 wah. And all these problems, I'm just going to close my eyes and say, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, right now. That's all I can say. Right now, Lord, I need you. And he says, the peace that passes your mind 
surpasses your ability, surpasses your mental ability, will begin to guard your heart and your thoughts and your mind and the God of peace as you begin to ponder and pray with petition, as you begin to allow the praise of your lips and say, God, you're good. God, being glorified. There was this old, uh, older lady, I could call her old, because she was 95 years old in our church, right? She earned it. And she was a pastor's wife. And, uh, uh, and I, I kid you not. And she had lived a long time. Her husband's since gone before. And she was just one of those pillars. Now, this little 95-year-old lady was on Facebook, by the way. So she's pretty cool. And she would also play hoops, all right? So, but it, it, we would, I would help her to the door. The, we had glass doors like we do here. And her son would go around and get the car. And the whole time, the whole church would be going out, and she'd stand at that glass door. You know what she would do? Thank you, Jesus. You're so good, God. I love you, Lord. Praise your name, oh God. Lord, we love you. Oh, thank you, Lord God. I'm talking 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That woman was praising God. She'd just be standing there alone, just leaning against the door. Lord God, you're so good. Awesome. Holy Spirit. She'd be speaking in tongues. Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus. You're just so awesome. Love you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord God. Over and over and over again. Don't you know that woman lived in peace? Because she put into practice these principles. Sometimes we have to die to ourselves and remember that the Prince of Peace humbled himself, became a man, obeyed his Father's will to the point of death on a cross. And if we would, Paul says, have this attitude in yourself likewise, we would just say, God, I'm not going to handle this situation well. And I'm going to say, Lord Jesus, surround me in your peace. I'm just going to surrender to you. I'm going to think about Jesus. I'm going to praise Jesus in this moment. And Lord, I'm just going to give you thanksgiving. Holy Spirit, I need more of you in this moment than me. If you could just train yourself to do that, if I could just train myself to do that, we could have that peace of God, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, knowing God is with us. Amen? Amen.